0: Hi, this is Julie. This This is
1: Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This
0: is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go.
2: Welcome to Satellite Sisters. It is Tuesday, April 22nd, 4-22-2014. It is my husband's 50th birthday. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena, California. Hi, Julie. You're there in Dallas, Texas.
1: Yes, and happy Earth Day to you, Leanne. Oh,
2: Earth Day, too. Okay. Mm (laughs) Okay.
1: So are you, are you, are you, I know you had a spectacular weekend celebration for your husband. So nothing tonight, nothing that's all done. No cake, no cupcakes. No, probably not. He's not a cake or cupcake kind of guy. I still have to
2: give him his actual gift. It was too complicated to bring to the restaurant. We were doing a two part walking tour birthday celebration. So we're going to give him the gift tonight and um, I'm cooking salmon. That's, (laughs) that's always a birthday gift. And then, uh, so that's it. But, um, he, he's really moved on. He doesn't want to dwell. And so I don't want to dwell, but we did have a little celebration and now we're moving on. Um, but we have a f- really a full show, Julie. I know we say on the Tuesday show, going deep on shallow topics, but we actually have some actual topics here. We have a, a college, some college reports, uh, riots on campus. Why are those happening? How to get a job at Google. We're going to talk about, uh, we have a couple of impressive and important studies about aging and aging well, Mm -hmm. and uh, then we're going to get to Sister Selfridge. You tried to talk us out of it, but you couldn't stop us. We just kept watching,
1: <laughs> and we're glad. Actually, Leon, they they have picked up on our recommendation. Yes, I, that's what I believe. The show producers are are listening to our podcast. Yes, Because they turned it around in this week's episode <laughs> of of Sister
2: Suffrage. But um, first, Julie, just a couple of stories this week. One from my own house, and one in the news that just reminded me. Of uh, the mind of teenage boys, okay. I, <laughs> I have a sixteen-year-old and an eighteen-year-old. You raised two boys successfully, yes. Julie, and by successfully, I mean they they graduated from college. <laughs>
1: they're alive. Link. Yes, yes, they're alive. That's I, which is. When when you consider the decision making process of teenagers, that is not always the case. So, uh, so okay. yeah. So this
2: this uh, this these stories are really for they're for both mothers of boys, uh, so that we can all feel bonded. But they're particularly I think for mothers of girls. If your teenage girls are sitting at home wondering why boys don't call them or why boys did this or why boys did that. I think these two stories will explain a lot. And uh, the first one, my son, Brooks, you know, is taking the gap year.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And he's been very busy actually working on a couple of professional photography um, assignments. <laughs> so Good. unbelievably, he is like a paid photographer now. So he's doing a whole bunch of different work. A couple Last week, he photographed, for instance, Julie, a surprise engagement at Disneyland. That's so, just
1: amazing that, uh, that your little son, Brooksy, is now, uh, people are, are hiring him to take pictures. I mean, he can take over at family events. I know. Stuff.
2: It's exciting. So, yeah, so he, you know, he staked out this restaurant, the groom-to-be, like, hired them ahead of time to get to, to document the, uh, the engagement. That's pretty cute. He's doing some car stuff, and he has an opportunity to do um, some work for real estate agents to shoot the houses, both oh, the video and one. the stills. Okay. So yesterday, uh I went out to take my other son, who's on finally on spring break, to get his braces off. Amen. Hallelujah. And um the good hip, news hip is Julie. Hooray, Liam. What? Hip
1: hip hooray.
2: <laughs> I know. The good news is he still has teeth underneath those braces. We we're both a little worried.
1: Yes. Both a little
2: worried. Condition of the teeth looking good. Um so Brooks is at home. He's doing the fake photo shoot in our house, okay? Of the real estate photos. So he comes to, I come home, he wants to show me the photos. So I look at them and they're they're well done. You know, they're the right angles, they make the house look big and impressive like you're supposed to. They're filled with natural light. They're all in focus. Julie, they're lovely. But Good. here's the here's the thing. There are like dirty dishes all over <laughs> The, the The countertops and there's like newspaper on the floor and he didn't like fold any of the towels uh, in the bathroom you know just like towels the hand towels all over the floor and i'm like there and why is. is
1: that Liam? because here why, it why... is
2: photographic proof that they do not see mess that they That's... they do not see dirty dishes mm-mm, mm-mm. so for 18 years and i've been saying pick up after yourself and he says I have. And I look around and there's just mess all over the place. Now he does not see mess. I was like, You cannot submit these. He's like,
1: Why? I I was like, Well, well, unless you write some kind of captions like warm, homey, lived in place, you know, kind of that. Or here's the before, you make the after. (laughs) Oh, good, Julie. I just,
2: I was like, This is unbelievable. So then I had to spend, like, the next two hours, like, mutually, we were cleaning the house and styling the house for the photo shoot that he hoped for, you know, the potential work he hopes to get. Like, no wonder I get nothing done. But it just... Killed me. I was like, "There you go. You literally <laughs> don't see the mess. That explains so much." And then the other story that was like a light bulb going off was the story of the 16 year old uh, from San- from Santa Clara that hid in the wheel well of the Hawaiian Airlines jet. And
1: such an amazing story, Leanne. I uh, mean,
2: unbelievable I'm... story. Un- I mean, unbelievable. First, you just. Ran away from home, which is right. too bad. So things were happening there at the house that weren't good. He thought he hopped the fence at San Jose Airport.
1: No no problem there. So that's... A to go, TSA. Yeah. I, I understand that they are reviewing some of their security procedures at the San Jose International Airport right now, Land. Yes, so. that
2: sounds like a good huh. idea. He thought he wanted to go to Africa to see some relatives. <laughs> so... Well, okay. So... There's some
1: big thinking.
2: Okay. Right. And so then he hops in the wheel well. And, like, promptly falls asleep, and then the jet takes off the next day, and he basically was passed out the entire five-and-a-half-hour flight, and then got to Hawaii, you know, was he regained consciousness and sort of fell out of, out of the wheel well. And I just want to say that story perfectly illustrates, like, when you want to say to your 16-year-old son, what were you thinking? Like, yeah. about everything they do, I want you to think about that story. Like, clearly, they are
1: not thinking there's just a, with the medical proof; those synapses are not really attached at that age. But Leon, the, the the detail that he in fact did not select that Hawaiian airline flight; it was more random. He yeah. just jumped in any old wheel well he saw. Was that was right. that the thing? Oh, I thought he was thinking that. Well, he might as well go to a Hawaii because uh, it was on the way to, to his tra- Africa.
2: No, he appears no. to have just gotten in the first plane that he found on the tarmac. So, you know, that – he didn't pick it. Although, who knows? Again, Julie, what was he thinking? We don't know. We don't know. We don't know what any 16-year-old boy is thinking right, when then. they make the decisions – just when you're about to look at your 16-year-old son and go, what were you thinking? Just remember that kid in the wheel well, because that's the ultimate, like, what were you thinking? I mean, I it's know. a miracle he's alive, and thank goodness he is.
1: I hope they're not going to press charges against him. No, I hope not I, either. Because I, I, I just, I think his defense is he's a 16-year-old boy. You yeah, know? I'm an idiot. That's my, <laughs> that's my defense. I'm a complete idiot. <laughs> well, and it's very nice to think about that because you obviously can generalize for the whole population of 16-year-olds. Yes, boys, and they're all behind the wheels, Lance. Yeah, I know. So no, that's that what is- I
2: mean. Every decision they make could ultimately be like, "I think I'll just get in the wheel well of that plane." You know. <laughs> I mean, that's what. What were you thinking? I mean, how many times have you said that to your sons? Mm-mm-mm. And they're like, "What? Yeah, that's just unbelievable to me." So there you go. Good luck, parents of, of teenage girls. They are just not worth a minute of your time. That's what I would say. till well, they're have, like 23 or 24.
1: I know. Well, I have another parenting story, Leanne. I thought I had really heard and read everything on college tours. You know, because it's this time of year, Leanne, that parents take their juniors around to college campuses to try to figure out what they are thinking about colleges. Right. But, uh, not, not, not that you have. But there was a very interesting op-ed piece um, done by a writing faculty member at Sarah Lawrence University, um, uh, Mr. Fuchs, who um, who has started to take his daughter around. And one of the things he's realized is every single college they went to our university everything sounded exactly the same you know that uh, you know that they were taking the daughter and they were all green buildings now at the university oh yeah it's, it's all organic food in the cafeteria raised by you know uh self-sustaining farmers that the students get to talk to that everybody works hard and plays hard that the library is open 24 hours during exam period and that it was now because there's so much so much of the same spin and pitch to students that these colleges don't distinguish themselves. So he had some very good ideas for college tours. Number one, he thinks kids and parents should be on different tours. Do not have them go together. That is a good idea. Right, because kids don't want to, you know, the 16, 17-year-old boy, they don't want to say, ask the questions they really want to ask in front of their parents. They are never going to do it. It is a total waste of time to walk around with your parents, as, as he said. <laughs> Secondly, I love this idea, tours at night. Oh, the tours are always during the day. The right. students are all sleeping during the day. <laughs> if you really want to see a college campus, you should go at 11 o'clock at night or maybe midnight, have <laughs> midnight tours of campuses. Then you'd really see what's going on. You'd see the students in action and lively, right? Yes, um, you're right. Yes. Okay. Then he said there should be some lottery system on a college campus so that you don't have the professional tour guides that have all the pre-screened answers and that everything, again, that know about the organic farmers and know about the green buildings. It should be a random selection. Oh, so that like, uh, today's
2: you... tour guides are like the Hunger Games. They just announce it at yes. lunch <laughs> and,
1: and whoever it is has to show up. Uh, yeah. That's a good one. And I think, again, that the, that it would help to dis- distinguish these colleges, that kids would really, you know, th- you know, they might relate better to some of these people that they're seeing on tours or not. I don't know. And finally, he said you, there should be some mechanism for anonymous questions that, you you know, the idea that like when you go to these information sessions and the admissions director says, does anyone have any questions? Nobody wants to raise their hands, right? Because you're that. sunk. You're, If you ask the
2: questions you really want to ask, like what does it take to get into this school, you feel yeah. like they've pegged you and your admission file. It's embarrassing to your child, but it's all the parents want to know. Like, yeah. how can we get in here? You right? Know, what do my, we need to do? My son
1: got a C in chemistry, but does he still have a shot at your place? That's right. really what they want to know. Right. So, so I, I think you know these are. This would be a step forward in the whole college, university admissions process if they integrated some of these things. Night college tours. I am up for that, (laughs) Leanne.
2: Yeah, it's true. Sometimes when you walk around a college campus during the day, no one's there. No. I mean, especially these smaller liberal arts schools. They're all, you know, there aren't that many students anyway, and they're all in class or asleep. You're right. You're like, where is everybody? Yeah. Yeah. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com slash SISTERS and use code SISTERS to choose your free-for-year offer. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. If you really want to see
1: the social life of a campus, yeah. midnight, 1 o'clock, 2 in the morning, now you're talking. Now you're talking. So other story, Leanne, coming out of the college campus realm that was sort of a headline. Do you realize that in the last two months... There have been 10 riots on college campuses,
2: you know, I didn't realize 10, but I, I can recall a couple that made the news like at the University of Arizona. And there was one just recently. I feel like I saw some, you know, again, police behavior that was being questioned. But I was like, why are the students rioting? So, what, right. so what's I mean, happening? Some of,
1: it, some of it is, you know, there were a bunch associated with the NCAA tournament. Right. Both winners and losers. Now it doesn't matter whether you're winning in the tournament or you've lost in the tournament. It still sparks the same kind of Riots on campus, um, hockey championships, or even off-campus parties that just got totally out of out of hand. Oh, like in UC Santa Barbara. That's right. what happened a couple weeks ago there. Right. Right. Well, now, and what police uh, and campus officials are are now pinpointed. They're saying it's because of social media that the the Twitter being able to you know use Twitter now, kids. Where you might have thirty kids at a party one minute, you can have a thousand kids eleven minutes later because of Twitter, and that that ability to sort of assemble with this accelerated speed and the size of the crowds is really throwing sort of campus co- campus and police co- you know out you know cops off their game. They don't know they don't know how to respond because things are blowing up so quickly. Um, oh, that they, I would totally believe that yeah. right. Yeah. And they said the other thing and this thing is, again, it's the mind of I think there may be some 16 year olds involved here that many students are showing up at these melees, not because they want to participate in the melee, but that they want a selfie of the next to the melee. So they are literally going to the spots where these riots are going on so they can take a picture of themselves near the riots (laughs) to send to their friends. They're having. They're finding this is happening a lot. So that's again creating a larger and larger crowd.
2: What What were they thinking? Oh wait, <laughs> these, these are the people that get into the wheel wells of Hawaiian airliners. I, I okay. mean, yeah.
1: I mean, is is that that is? I mean, so if you're you know if you're just trying to have some kind of law and order on your campus, you're just you got to pull your hair out. And they're finding again with Twitter. That even if they, you know, if the campus police or outside police arrive, the students disperse, but then they're able to reassemble like somewhere else, you know, very quickly. again. Oh, okay. So so this is, and to take more pictures. I just, I don't know. College sounds very different today yes, than yes. when we went. There's just yes. a very
2: a different, emph- there's an emphasis on very different things,
1: yes. I think, at some schools. So, yeah. But keep in mind, the one thing with all these selfies and with all these posts uh, online is the police are also using those to identify the students that really were at the, you know, that they plan to arrest right or, you know, see as the cause of it. Well,
2: it also seems like the police are getting identified for, you know, their poor training or excessive force. I just thought. Yeah story on the the news this morning so yeah, yeah. yeah i don't know it just it does make you it does make you question what's going on there mm-hmm. i i don't understand the rioting because we won or the rioting because we lost but now right. i can see it it's just a frenzy oh they're on twitter or, or those other you know uh snapchat or instagram they can see it and they just flock to it because right because right. they're 18. I
1: mean, other our, our my generation streaking was the big like wild thing to do on campus to take off all your clothes and yep. run around naked, you know, so there were a couple of streakers in the late 70s. But so this is this is the new thing that you just <laughs> go treating
2: riding is the new streaking is that? Yes.
1: Yes it is. Which is really sad.
2: Okay, here's a here's just an uh, ap- apropos story then Julie. I had a friend who They are on the accepted students college tour. You know, people have to, you know, commit by May 1. And so uh, their son um, wanted to see a couple of the schools in the Northwest where he was accepted. And so uh, he was at one school, which didn't overwhelm him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the nail in the coffin was the fact that the students at that particular small liberal arts school have a tradition of streaking on accepted students day. So (laughs) he and his very conservative dad are in the parking lot when 100 naked students go running by.
1: Yes, indeed. That is money well spent to go to that university. (laughs) And so... That was we, that. Hard and we play hard, Leon. That's what they say at college campuses these days. There you have it. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Well, well we're the sort poor of on admissions director. That poor admissions director probably worked all year, traveled to all these places to recruit all recruit all these kids, and then she has to deal with streakers, or he has to deal yeah, with streakers. Yeah, it was
2: a he. <laughs> the father complained and uh, apparently didn't get any um, didn't get any apology from the admissions director. But okay. This, well, this is a school tradition. <laughs> okay, well. It's turned us off.
1: So there you have it. (laughs) You work hard and play hard, Liam.
2: There you have it. (laughs) Well, it's interesting because this week, um, Tom Friedman, the columnist from the New York Times, did a follow-up on his uh, sort of wild viral column from a couple of months ago that we talked about here at Satellite Sisters, how to get a job at Google. Yes. So in February, he talked to Laszlo Bock, who is in charge of all the hiring at Google. What does he call himself? It's it's like some tedious name, like uh, director of human fun or hu- humanity yeah, yeah. or, you know, zoomanity. I don't know. Yeah. It's like some stupid Google yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so,
2: um, but he, he did say in the first part of the interview that Tom Friedman wrote up, uh, that he said, you know, at Google, it's really a lot less about what you know or where you learned it. But the value uh, that you can create with what you know, like, oh, great, you learned all this stuff at a fancy university, but can you do anything with it? And then he also mentioned in the article that they are increasingly hiring kids that didn't go to college because Mm -hmm. uh, that's the way they roll at Google. And you don't necessarily need to go to college to be a smoking programmer, basically. Uh, So Mm -hmm. um, so Tom Friedman went back and said, okay. Uh, Let's continue this conversation. So he first said to Laszlo Bock, is it worth it to go to college at all? And I thought this was a good quote, especially in light of the conversation we're having. Uh, My belief is not that one shouldn't go to college, but most people don't put enough thought into why they're going and what they want to get out of it. He said, we want an informed citizenry where everyone has a baseline of knowledge from which to build skills. That's a good social thing. But don't just go to college because you think it's the right thing to do and that any bachelor's degree will suffice. And then he went on to say the first and most important thing is to be explicit and willful in making the decisions about what you want to get out of this investment in your education. So if it's rioting and streaking, (laughs) it sounds like –
1: I you're... think they're creating a lot of value with that land, just freedom. <laughs> well, I, I mean, people I, should. You know, it's so expensive.
2: He said you should think incredibly hard about what you're getting in return, which I think is really
1: that is good advice. I know, but again, we have the mind of an 18 year old. Right. Is, that, is this what they are? They willfully thinking about it. I think many are. I think many are. Yeah. Uh, and I think you're right. I think the economics of it now it just forces you to really think about. About your school choices, or what, or you know, how what kind of training you're going to get and where you're going to get it. So, uh, I'd like—I think that's true. I'd like to believe that they're not just hiring Stanford grads at Google. Yes, yeah. I think as I, I suspect that's really what you know they're doing. That well, they're here's what they're these- not
2: hiring at Google: A plus students in English.
1: Yeah. <laughs> because then
2: he went on to just basically eviscerate English majors which huh. of course got everybody commenting on the New York Times just yes. riled up you know yes. because half yeah. of their readers are like English professors right. so uh he went on to say listen you just you need to major in something hard basically computer science and math because it, it, you know it's we would rather see on this I don't this, I believe, a B student in computer science than an A plus student in English, because it, this is what got people mad, signals a rigor in your thinking and a more challenging course load. Okay. So obviously this guy so never Ms. read Mr. Ulysses. But-
1: yeah. Mystery Humanity better not leave that Google campus. <laughs> he's, he's Surrounded. He's- he is going to get run down by some A-plus English major over that. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah. So that got
2: a lot of people mad. But, uh, you know, I think that's what they believe, that math and coding are much, much harder than, you know, Southern writers, for instance. <laughs> I guess, again, they've never read Faulkner. But okay. So, uh, but then he goes on to say, um, you know, they asked him, are the liberals still important then? And then he, he kind of back. He said, yes, they're phenomenally important, especially when you combine them with math and computer science. Uh, basically, 10 years ago, behavioral economics was rarely referenced, but then you apply social science to economics and suddenly it's a whole new field. I think a lot about how the most interesting things are happening at the intersection of two fields. So <laughs> English. And computer science, okay,
1: but okay, Mr. Computer Science, you still need content. For I know your stupid, stupid Google pages. <laughs> if there was no content, if you didn't have those English majors churning out all that free content, you know, yeah, like idiots, <laughs> unpaid free content, like fools.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Julie, yes, feel free to write to the New York Times because pretty much all of the comments are just. Outraged, you know, uh, fans of the English major. Um, so here's though what really turned me off. Like I was sort of you on weren't board. Turned off by this? You're
1: you're still with this guy? You're I wasn't
2: still- surprised. I mean, yes. I was not surprised. Like right. when you talk to those tech guys, they think they're awesome. You know, <laughs> it did not surprise me. Like Google, I think they said in the last article, eighty percent of the people there can code. Well, that's not normal. Eighty percent of the general public can't code so that's they're looking for very specific skill sets but then this is why this is where you're like oh it must be just really tedious to work uh at a place like that how do you write a good resume they asked him you know and he said the key is to frame your strengths as i accomplished x relative to y by doing z so then Laszlo Box says, most people would write a resume like this, wrote editorials for the New York Times. But it's much better to say had fifty op-eds published compared to average of six by most op-ed writers as the results of providing deep insight into the following area for three years
1: mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, okay you don't want to work at that company
1: yeah he is he's getting more hateable as, as you go go along I mean I, I used to admire Google they do they seem like they're doing fine things uh, I, I I just don't know why they can't isn't it enough that they're like running the universe? Do yeah. they have to like take everybody else down? Right. To, I mean, re- really. it's just the acting so superior that, <laughs> that we can't stand inferior people like myself. That's what we don't like about superior people is when they act superior. You
2: know. Well, here's what he said: Most people in an interview don't make explicit their thought process behind how or why they did something, mm-hmm. and even if they are able to come up with a compelling story, they are unable to explain their thought process. So there you go. If you have a new grad or if you've been out of work a long time, get to work on that. I accomplished X relative to Y by doing Z. So, I don't know. It, was, it annoyed me
1: by the right. end. We got, we got to take him down. Lynn. We just we got to, I want you to monitor that situation as he has other pronouncements coming out. We have to now take this on as our cause because I, I believe he's going to be proven incorrect.
2: Well, it does make me, I mean, it makes me think of all the time. You get asked a lot, you know, what do you do? Or, you know, when you say you're a writer, people want to, have you written anything I've read? And then you tend to go, well, yeah, I had some magazine columns. I have never said I accomplished X by doing Y (laughs) than getting Z. I've never said, well, I've had columns at magazines where other writers would kill to work at. You know,
1: (laughs) by how many friends does this guy have? (laughs) Does he have a family? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs)
2: Right, that's... <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting. Barrick interviewed somebody. My husband interviewed a recent college grad. He graduated mm-hmm. in January. So 21, very young, uh, for a job this week. And he did sort of reiterate what this guy said, which was essentially this applicant had a very, very specific skill set that absolutely fit barracks needs and he was highly specialized highly unusual in the field of like research and urban urban planning and demographics and geography this guy had like a combined major of all those things and could do this one particular skill that they really needed so my husband said he wasn't like The interview blew me away. Like, in general, I would look for someone with a broader knowledge, but because he had such a specific, highly desirable skill set, they're going to offer him a job. So, unfortunately, Mr. Google was right. (laughs) (laughs) This one time. This
0: one time.
1: Well, I don't even know if I can do this next story because it was such shocking news, but now I'm in such an irritable (laughs) mood, leigh and I feel like running down Mr. Google on, a, on one of those Google bicycles, <laughs> I'm not sure this is true because the headline I wanted to talk to you about, Leanne, is that a new large-scale research study says that we actually get nicer with age. Oh. We get nicer, except for us, the bitter business. <laughs> <the bitter laughs> except
2: for that tiny <laughs> slice of our life we call the Bitter Business Bureau. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, right. So, but this is true that uh, on your five big personality traits, they call it the big five conscientiousness, agreeableness, openness, extroversion, and neuroticism. These five, these five um, traits, that's really the, you know, the sort of the core of your personality. And they've done this large scale study and they found the older people got the more conscientious they were, Leanne, that they were more able to live up to their responsibilities. They kept their job. They showed up on time. They, they did what they said they were going to do. Agreeableness that um, That they were you know they, uh, they w- could work with other people with their neighbors with you know with their coworkers with their family members, they just had learned along the way how to get along a little better than other people openness the idea that as you age you 're actually open to new ideas and thoughts and different ways of, of thinking of things, obviously not the Google way please, but uh, <laughs> but most people have that. And even introverts, as the older they get, the more confident they are, that they tend to move move up the you know introvert, extrovert scale. And that some of your neuroses that you have in your early 20s, you know, and sort of the self-absorption, the narcissism, a lot of those diminish the older you get uh, on average, that that's what they're finding during the aging process. So by Boosting your conscientiousness, your agreeableness, your openness, your extrovert, being more of an extrovert, and sort of playing down some of your neuroses, that you end up as a, being perceived as a nicer person. How about that?
2: I would agree. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I, I'm i just less, uh, I just don't have the energy to be as judgmental as I used to be. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Just... Well, that's that's probably, that's, that's that agreeableness. Right. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Yes. So it's it's not that I'm consciously being more agreeable. I just I'm just too exhausted to
1: be judgy. <laughs> Is that the same thing? It can work in your favor, Leanne. Yes. I mean, what they were saying though that if you know you know about the Big Five mm-hmm. and you know about this this tendency, that you can actually by making small changes, you can have a big impact on your personality you know that you can move to being perceived and and then eventually actually being nicer by by working on it sort of like it's sort of like being on a diet when you know you have to like you know lose weight you sort of start to focus on you know changing your behavior making small steps in your you know in exercise and diet and then it becomes a habit well the the research says that if you do the same thing, if you're, let's say more introverted and you would like to be more comfortable in social settings, that by making small changes, you can actually become more extroverted. So, and, uh, and, you know, and be, and become nicer. So, but it takes a lot of work and you have to, you know, do it in small steps. You have to be committed. So it's sort of like the five pound rule, you you know, gain and lose the same five pounds. Well, then. I think I think there's a little slip sliding on the niceness scale too. That you know you may be open and agreeable for a while, but then you might slip back to being your old bitter self. So um, you have to watch it. Now, the only thing that I question about this whole this large scale research study, it was done with Australians. Oh, so I think this oh, people, that explains a lot. Yeah, because they're the nicest people on yeah, earth. Yeah, they're aren't they? yes. Why yes. not? Yeah. Yeah, have Australians. So I'm not sure it would hold the same for Americans, certainly not for the French. There could be, oh, there's a number of countries where I'm not sure you're able to actually become nicer with age. But um, Australians, they're able to do this.
2: Well, you know, I, I do think there's, a, for many years, actually, my, my um, New Year's resolution was just to be nicer. You know, I wasn't <laughs> for like 15 years. So it wasn't even just be nice. It was be nicer. I wasn't, I was, I, but. Okay. Okay. I, you know, and I'm not Australian, so I'm never going to be nice a hundred percent, but okay. I do feel like you can move forward in that area okay. as long, especially if you stay open to new ideas and that's, you just stop caring as much about what other people think of you. And that's very, I think, freeing, you know? Yes. Yeah. So. Yes. All right. Something to work towards. As we age, being nicer. Um, Although you do have that idea that there's crotchety old people. So I'm not, I don't
1: know. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. That's why I was a little skeptical of this study. And then when I realized they, you know, they really focused on Australians, I was like, ah, well, I don't know. All right.
2: Here is also some good news. If you, not only do you want to be nicer as you age, if you want your skin to look younger, Julie, a landmark study this week reported in the New York times coming out of McMaster's university in Ontario. Um, those are Canadians. Those are Canadians Uh, and they're so nice. They're super nice. Uh, and, um, Exercise not only appears to keep skin younger, it may also reverse skin aging in people who start exercising later in life. Really? Oh. Reverse it. Reverse it,
1: Julie. Reverse it. Some of my wrinkles are going to go, well, I already exercise. Lena. Right. I don't, so, so
2: I don't know what that means if yeah. you already exercise, but I think it means continue to exercise because okay. you've already benefited from your skin looking younger. Okay. According to research after age 40, we know the death knell, most of us begin to experience a thickening of... Oh. Of our stratum corneum, which okay, is what is that? Liam? That is the final. Is that my
1: rear end? The stratum corneum, well, the Where final protective or outer. Is that underneath my arms? That that thing that hangs down? Is that the stratum corneum? Or is it that that like bag I'm getting on my neck? Is that called the stratum corneum? Where is it, Liam?
2: <laughs> it's everywhere, Julie. The
1: inner thigh area that I'm working on. What's what what?
2: It's it's everywhere. Okay. It's the final protective outer layer of the epidermis, Okay, the top layer of your skin. Okay. It's the portion of the skin that you see and feel. And uh, the good news is it's composed of mostly dead skin cells and some collagen, and it okay. gets drier, flakier, and And denser with age. Yes, indeed. Okay. Okay. So that's what's happening. The top, it's getting denser, but the layer of skin beneath the epidermis, the dermis begins to thin. And that's when we begin to, I think we all know, lose elasticity. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. (laughs) Okay. And these changes, good news or bad, are independent of skin damage from the sun. Okay. It's solely the result of the passage of time. So this is, it's just, we are all losing elasticity, even if we never sat out in the sun, Nicole Kidman. So just wait, cause it's coming. <laughs>
1: okay okay that makes me feel good liam i know it's not the least bit nice but i i'm glad to hear that she's going to get wrinkly too okay and, go ahead. and she's australian okay. uh
2: so uh here's the thing though they did this study a couple of different ways to you know isolate for genes and for diet and for overall health and things like that but all the skin samples they took were from people's butts i don't know why that made me... <laughs> that's that there there you have it liam yeah so uh the researchers set up a group of sedentary volunteers to exercising after first obtaining skin samples from their buttocks. Uh, 65 and older at the study start, study study start,
1: and their yeah, skin. Leah, yeah. Leah, can I just stop you because that is such a just a hideous visual <laughs> thinking about this research. Just 65 year old butts, and they're like analyzing them and they're all lined up and they've got their pants down yeah oh it's just terrible Sed- and these are sedentary buttocks to oh, like. okay okay Ooh, okay. Oh, those are, there's some baggy butts. Oh, that's 65. Yeah, that's bad. So, okay. so they began this fairly straightforward endurance
2: program twice a week, jogging or cycling, the equivalent of 65% of their maximum aerobic capacity. So they were hitting aerobic capacity mm-hmm. for 30 minutes for three months. And then they biopsied their butts again. And <laughs> this time the skin looked different. The outer and inner layers look similar to that of 20 to 40-year-olds, Julie. They lost 25 years on their butts. (laughs)
0: Okay.
2: It's
0: incredible. But who can
1: you show, Leanne? Who can you show? But
2: it changes skin composition, but they're not exactly clear how. But uh, they said this is very exciting research. And once again, exercise works. So there you go. (laughs) There you go. Exercise changes our bodies. It reverses wrinkling and other damage from the sun. It's okay. unbelievable. Uh so oh no, it doesn't. That's <laughs> no, I, I that was wrong. I I was wrong. <laughs> doesn't do that. It says there is no evidence that it reverses wrinkling or other damage from the sun, but underneath it all you're gonna feel you're gonna look twenty to you are
1: going to look 20 to 40 years old. <laughs> so never okay. mind. Okay. Just you and your pants are going to know about it. Okay. <laughs> that sounds good, Liam. Um,
2: oh, here we are. It's already time for Sister Selfridge. Here, let I'm going to bring up the character hub from the uh, website of PBS because last week I forgot Miss Martle's name and I heard about it. <laughs> yes, you did,
1: Liam. Yes, I did. heard about
2: it. I knew her backstory. I just, in the moment of doing Sister Selfridge, I forgot her name. So I'm bringing up the character hub. So we have people's names at the ready, Uh and I'm also bringing up our Facebook page because we asked your opinions on this week's show, and uh, we got some, so thank you very much. If you're looking to join our Facebook group, Liz said our numbers are going up in... uh Well, you know, by a handful every day, I
1: think she said. Again, some outstanding research being done at Satellite Sisters Hub, too. Yes. Yeah. Well, we love that. Share the sisters. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. Yeah. So so, um, you can go to the Facebook
2: page. It's an open group. You do have to apply for membership. But again, it's just Liz making sure that you're not uh, a sex worker or a bot. So don't worry <laughs> if you're neither one of those things, you should be fine. And yes. uh, we'll be happy to approve you. Uh, you can always email us. We think Liz knows how to get back into the email. Sisters at com is where you can email us directly for the show. But we always love hearing your comments. Well, most of the time. <laughs> so, no, all right.
1: People set us straightly. And, and, and I, I think a lot of people with Sister Selfridge they wanted they they thought we should abandon our our work here because it was going so poorly i
2: think <laughs> yes And we did jump on the bandwagon of the show in season two, but please be alerted that we have gone behind the scenes and figured out what the character's backstory is. So last week we thought it was kind of a dull episode that there wasn't much happening, that it was a little, uh, it was a little stayed. It wasn't too, there weren't any fresh storylines, but Julie, I feel like they completely turned it around this week. Like this week was, to me, the best episode that we've seen of the four this season.
1: I, I absolutely, Lynd. They took it, took our suggestions <laughs> and they cranked it up. They yeah. cranked it up. I mean, hooray for the women on Mister Selfridge. Yeah, okay.
2: the Real Housewives of London Town. Yeah,
1: they're doing it, aren't they? These girls, they're shooting guns. They're kissing men. They're throwing away their corsets. Their skirts are coming up. I predict they're going to ask for the vote any day now, (laughs) Leon. What do you think? I thought it was a very exciting episode. All the
2: women had great shows. We had handsome guys showing up with violins at the front door. That was unbelievable. Uh, We had, um, I liked when uh, Lady Mae Loxley, like, completely dissed the new head of fashion there. Now I have to look up his name, but you all know who I'm talking about. (laughs)
1: That Mr. Thackeray. Mr. Thackeray.
2: Yes. Mr. Yep. Thackeray. I love when she dissed him. That was yep. great. We had Rose Selfridge setting up shooting lessons for the women and re- restructuring their uniforms. And we had the leader of the warehouse girls, you know, stepping forward. And she's like, she reminded me of uh, My Fair Lady, didn't she? Yeah, she
1: had the the Cockney accent. Yeah, My, My Fair Lady. In fact, I think she was in her high school production of My Fair Lady. <laughs> I did. Yeah. That was like crazy Cockney accent. It's Eliza Doolittle and Mister yeah.
2: Selfridge. Yeah, I can't do a Cockney accent,
1: but well, neither can she.
0: That's the thing. <laughs>
2: But yeah. no, just in general, the women were great. We have Miss she She's taking in the refugees. The handsome Belgian showed uh-huh. up. It wasn't proper for her. We know her romantic history. She's trying to revive herself after, you know, Mr. Grove broke her heart and she disappeared for five years. And now she's back with money in a house. And she was into that younger man. Wouldn't you say, uh-huh. Joel?
1: Absolutely and I called for it last week. Yes. I was asking for forbidden love and now we have it. Miss Martle and that young Belgian. I and I say to Miss Martle, go for it. You have the house, you have the cash. Get yourself some Belgium waffle. That's what I say, right? <laughs> and then and
2: I like that Agnes is living with her too. Again, good story twist. Okay, plots moving forward. Characters interacting in an interesting way good work. And of course, Agnes back with the handsome Italian,
1: Victor. So that, well, and that was a kiss, wasn't it? That was a kiss, Leanne. See, that's the thing. I mean, first of all, Agnes and Miss Martle, I love their friendship. Don't you love yes. that? Don't you love to watch it? Yes. And that it's very satisfying and they're so cute together. And you are right. Yes, this is going in. The, Agnes and Victor that's going in the right direction. I mean, they really have chemistry. There is some fire there, and I'm so happy they're back together. And can we just, just for a moment, Lee, and I hate to bring it down, but I'm going to bring it down. Can we just compare and contrast Agnes and Victor versus Harry and Rose? Yeah. Okay. Harry and Rose, these two seem to be in a high school production of Guys and Dolls. The way they read their lines, they have absolutely no chemistry. I, I would agree to that, and I know we took
2: some heat last week because we quote don't know the backstory. But I just I don't I I don't get it. I don't get those two. So uh, I know people will set us straight, but I would agree. And then the one like kind of sexy scene they had, like, "Hey, yeah. come on in, honey." That yeah. was very Ari Gold when he kicked that door shut. It was on. Yeah. <laughs> it was entourage. Lloyd. Yeah. I mean, it was. <laughs> that's why it was. It was lively. Okay. Liz, you know, we love
0: talking about frame bridge, don't we? We do. <laughs> because, because, because there are just so many fun things to frame, Leon. aren't there? See why FrameBridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit
2: FrameBridge.com or see a local FrameBridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's FrameBridge.com. Thanks, FrameBridge. Hey, it's Liz and Leanne here, and we want to thank pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now, you know, Liz, I've been out and about. From their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And you know what? I love the regimen they have me on. Do I take the hair vitamins every day? For yeah. millions of possible formulas only one is uniquely lean's okay and i'm i'm using it pros mm-hmm. isn't just better for you it's also better for the planet liz they're a certified b corp cruelty free and the first and only sisters. So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at prose. dot com slash sisters. And pros is spelled P-R-O-S-E. Pros.com slash sisters. Thanks, pros.
1: Well, I ha you know, I have really been pondering it. And I know that we've been taking some heat in the Facebook uh, group <laughs> about our criticisms of this show. But it, I really, the other night, I I just, I sat right up in bed about two o'clock in the morning. And I, I don't know why I was thinking this. I said, two Americans. That is what the problem (laughs) with this show. This is a British drama. And, you know, unlike Downton Abbey, where we just have one American, Lady Grantham, (laughs) here we have the two Americans. And it's too many. It's (laughs) ruining it. I mean, I want more British accents or something. Thank goodness their son, Gordon has that, I don't know where he got his accent, that totally upper crust British accent. He's And now he has a little action going on there with the counter girl, don't you think? Yeah, again, lots happening this week in the
2: romance front, which let's face it, it's just a glorified soap opera. So awesome. Yes, there should be more happening in the romance front. We had Kitty, Kitty going after the, uh, the, um, newspaper man. We don't enjoy him, but I don't know. She's got something up her sleeve. So we'll see that.
1: Yeah, no, I like, I like, and I just like how assertive all the women are and they're just... They're just, as Kitty said, men are simple, Leah. That's what she's said.
2: <laughs> what were you thinking? Oh, wait. No, you, you weren't. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Um, okay, so there were some devious uh, some devious people this yes. week. Okay, yes. so Henri Leclerc, okay, the okay. Frenchman who has come back. He was allegedly in America, but now we find out that he was perhaps in Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps he is uh, involved in an international espionage ring. Maybe he's mm-hmm. spying for the Germans. What do you think, Julie? What do you think about that? Oh, I
1: that? think, well, last week, you know, I thought he was all down. But this week, I think he's up to good. I really, I I really feel like... It's going to be revealed that um, that in fact he is working for the French Resistance um, during World War One. Whatever they was, called. but I don't, I don't really. The resistance. Think... Yes. No. 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 But I don't. Oh, I no. thought the French Resistance was World War Two. I know. So I don't know what they had in World War One, but I think that's what he's working for. So I think he's working behind the scenes with that. What do you think about Delphine? Delphine uh, is up to something. Yeah, she's and shady. I think that's what uh, the Facebook group said. Yes, She's a shady character. I she is not to be trusted, and uh, and I think she has just used Rose Selfridge, you know, to get herself ingratiated with them. But um, but she is playing it every which way. That's yeah, right.
2: I didn't know whose side she was on in that card game, which was actually very dramatic, the card game. I thought, yes. I don't know which way this is going to go. Again, yeah. a sign of a good drama. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> that you can't read what's going to happen at the end of the scene. So that was very exciting. I was glad to see Lord Locksley go down. And then I'll be honest, Julie, I watched that last scene with the, who was that guy? At the end, that Mr. called Mr.
1: Summertime or something. Okay, that's I watched
2: the... it like three times. I couldn't understand what he was saying. So, do you have any insight there? Because yeah, just... I think
1: he's that he is going to. I think he works for the government. Leon. He's okay. The spy. Um, okay. I think He is. I think he's going to recruit Mr. Selfridge. That's what appears to be happening when I saw scenes from next week's episode. Okay. <laughs> that is that he's going to work for the British government, but there, uh, I don't know in what capacity. So that's, that will have to be revealed. But he's the spy. And, and I think Loxley continues. I think, you know, just as you said, he was great in that card game. You know, he you really he is someone to watch and he's got a lot more tricks up his sleeve. And Delphine, though, is the real question mark. You know, she is she is she's going to be a key character, I think.
2: Okay. So Beckett wrote on the Facebook page, I think Delphine is shady as heck. And that Polly Walker who plays her has come a long way from her Jane Fairfax days. Okay. It was killing me that I could not recognize what that actress was from. So thank you, Beckett. Yeah. (laughs) That she was Jane Fairfax, of course. Thank you so much. Uh, Beckett also said that she liked the warehouse spokeswoman's moxie. Let's just call her Eliza Doolittle because yes. we don't know her name. So, And that Mr. Grove can't handle the thought of ladies ankles. And then she adds, I hate Mr. Thackeray, who is the uh, the pompous beauty expert or yeah. fashion expert.
1: Uh, but I think Mr. Thackeray, I think they're going to take that character and he's going to do some bad things and hurt people. But then he's going to turn, he's going to turn around and that, you know, he will become, stay part of the family. They'll so will a redemptive
2: moment yes, for Mr. Thackeray.
1: Yes, yes I, I believe so. Lynn. Diane
2: wants us uh, to know she's very happy that Victor and Agnes are back together again. Mm-hmm. Yay. Good. We've gotten rid of Gabriella, the gorgeous Gabriella. She's gone back to Italy. She may resurface, but who knows? And then uh, Sue said, this episode was really fun. I guess they de- uh, decided to avoid the predictably sad and ominous wartime feeling, and it worked. Agreed that Delphine is not to be trusted. But then, very few characters are trustworthy. She liked the shooting range and the card game. <laughs> it was good. He certainly, Mr. Crabb certainly put that shooting range together very. Fast, he did a very but... <laughs>
1: fine job, and he is going to work every day for the rest of his life, Leon, to to help the Selfridge brand a name. And so, yeah, I mean that scene just again that just Harry and Rose outside the uh, the windows, storefront windows. It was like they were reading the lines. That was terrible. Come on. Terrible. I know. But I don't Well, high... you know, and that actress is British. Yeah, well. So I...
2: that's what freaks me out. So
1: All right, I'm just I am just it's um but but all in all an an enjoyable evening of watching uh watching Mr. Selfridge. I I really it, it's it's gone Taken really taking it to a different level i'm very happy about that and uh, i'm sticking with this uh, series don't you think Liam? well last week julie i was ready to give it up when people suggested
2: that we were it's like we were being forced to watch it and uh you said we are sticking with this to the bitter end and so um thanks for that pep talk see <laughs> <So>. <laughs> okay any more predictions for next week that you expect to see uh, let's see. Well, you know, you know that Victor and Agnes will not have a smooth path to love. I know. So I know. there will be complications there. So, yeah. uh, I think that that's true. And, um, and I cannot wait to see where the shop girl and Gordon go. That's exciting. Okay.
1: I I think that's going to be a nice <laughs> little uh, romance. I think, uh, Miss Martle and the waffle man are going to get it on. So <laughs> I'm happy about that. And, uh. <laughs> And I think there'll be more intrigue at um, Delphine's Cafe. That's what I think. (laughs) All right. You
2: can always uh, find us on the Facebook page if you want to comment on Sister Selfridge. And I'm sure you will. Um, Jewel, what else do you have? You have one other thing you
1: need some help with something? I do, Leanne. Emergency book club recommendation. Okay, our book club, we have this system where whoever is hosting the book club They're the ones that do the research on to propose various of another the next book to read. But uh, somehow that's all fallen apart this uh, this month. And so we have to come recommending a book. And I don't have any book recommendations (laughs) right at the moment. Do you have any or can you help me? (laughs) Okay. You know what?
2: Yesterday I went to Roman's, our local bookstore, and I bought a few books because I'm in writing mode, so I'm, you know, reading a lot. Um, I bought one from our friend Chris Pavone, and he's not really our friend, Julie, but I say that because he wrote that book you enjoyed called The Expats. Yes. Remember that about the family abroad? He has a new book out called The Accident. okay so that's it's a thriller it got very very good reviews better reviews than his first book which we enjoyed and it's about the publishing business so it's set in the publishing business but it's a thriller okay so i recommend that to you if you want to you know quick read a thriller it looks good and then the other one i bought that i think um you might enjoy uh, because it sounded juicy to me and other people have loved it is the headmaster's wife Oh, so okay. I've, I i do not have the name of the author. It's a male with three names. Uh, that's what I can t- <laughs> tell you. And it's, okay. and it's supposed to be sort of in the gone girl vein. Okay. So, okay. uh, okay. so Over. that might also be juicy for your Dallas friends. Okay. Yeah. So that sounds uh, good, lady. Thomas Christopher Green, you can see okay. those are three totally interchangeable names <laughs> who would know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah, so that that looks good. Uh, the headmaster of Vermont's elite Lancaster School. So there you go.
1: Okay, that's two good suggestions. If anyone else has other suggestions, it's not too late to buzz in with those. So I will be taking those to book club and i'll let you know what we select okay leon what do you have going on this week
2: um let's see well my son's on spring break so um there there will be i think more meal preparation uh we are going as liz mentioned on the sunday podcast to the simpsons table read we're very excited about that that should be fun we're a big um you know big simpson's family i mm-hmm. i know we can debate it at different times at a different time julie uh and that's that's it uh we just we're just kind of hanging out he is just enjoying not going to school cuz it's the <laughs> World's longest spring, latest spring break because Easter was so late this year. So okay. uh, he, I know he has to work on an English paper too because that's high school. You know you have to work on stuff. So that's it. We just it's a it's kind of a hangout sort of week. I was we may go out to lunch. I don't know. He needs some new shoes.
1: Well, <laughs> just an action-packed week, Lynn. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs>
2: All right, everybody, have a great week, and don't forget call your satellite sister.